listening to Life Sparring as we head into our seventh exciting match. In the blue corner, we have our regular heavyweight champ and host, Fabian Gruber. Here to challenge his title in the red corner, we have yet another no-show. Looks like Fabian will have to spar with himself in this episode of Shadow Boxing. Let's see what he can do. This is Life Sparring Round 7. Let's go. Hey there. Another month has flown by and here I am recording another entire guestless shadow boxing episode. Or as Justin Bieber would possibly say, what if you had it all, but nobody to call, maybe then you'd know. Cause I have everything, but no one's listening, and that's just fucking lonely. Don't worry, I was just kidding. I'm fine and just enjoyed a very long Easter and Qingming break. But talking about loneliness, Easter marks somewhat the first lockdown anniversary. While the COVID threat became acute in Hong Kong in late January 2020, Easter was the first of now many festivals my wife and I spent alone at home, maximally social distanced. It still feels unreal how we lost an entire year to the pandemic. Let's hope that we move a bit more to normality. I have my appointment for the BioNTech vaccine shot and I hope the broader rollout of vaccines will turn the tide and eventually we get a little bit more freedom, for example, to travel. Let's see. If I complained in last month's episode about the early spring in Hong Kong, well, we moved right into full-blown summer weather by now. Even though it was far too hot, I still made a run on the virtual 50-kilometer trail race that I registered for, but the sun and the heat got the better of me. I gave up after 30 kilometer for my second-ever DNF, did-not-finish result. At least I tried. I'm all for testing the limits, but knowing when to throw the towel, to live and to fight another day is very important too. If you have listened to the previous shadowboxing episodes of the Life Sparing podcast, you know that I usually talk about what's on and poppin', the things I currently obsess about. Matching the theme of heat, I got a bit obsessed with body temperature and its implications. I've been a quantified self-enthusiast for quite some time, but never paid too much attention to body temperature. Again, this is something where COVID provided a new perspective. With temperature scans in most restaurants, office buildings and public institutions, I get scanned multiple times on a working day through infrared temperature sensors. Usually I'm running between 35.9 and 36.2 degrees Celsius or 96.6 to 97.16 Fahrenheit, so on the lower end of the normal temperature range. Getting measured so often piqued my interest in this metric and with Hong Kong being so warm that early in the year overheating during running already becomes a problem for me. I'm used to this between May and October, but yeah, <laughs> I said it often enough, spring and summer came early this year. My heart rate generally runs a little bit higher under load and uh, I guess that makes me prone to overheating. I wear a Garmin Phoenix 6 uh, fitness watch almost 24-7. This watch captures a lot of data. Unfortunately, skin or body temperature is not a focus of Garmin so far, despite having a temperature sensor in the watch. All Garmin has to offer is a data field that estimates the body core temperature, but this value is calculated via heart rate and not taken by actual temperature measurements. In my case, this metric often delivers estimates of 40 degrees Celsius, or 
104 degrees Fahrenheit, even at fairly modest runs in the sun. These estimates seem relatively unlikely as my brain should start to dissolve at that temperature. Looking for other alternatives, I recently found another third-party widget for the Phoenix watch that estimates um, body temperature using an algorithm based on a 2019 research paper from Korea. What the researchers from the Chonbuk National University created is a formula-based approach to estimate body temperature from skin temperature and sensor device temperature. The widget data looks at first glance much more realistic than Garmin's body temperature estimate. The only disadvantage is that widgets on the Phoenix cannot be integrated as data fields into activities. Hence, I cannot record and plot the body temperature over time using the program when I'm on a run. I can only see it in real time. I really want to experiment with the temperature control this summer. And I'm even considering dropping 300 US dollar for an aura ring or a similar amount for a core continuous body temperature monitor. If you have any other idea for a cost-efficient way to measure body temperature during exercise, or if you have experimented with this already, please reach out and let me know. I'm really happy for every tip that I can get. Talking about tips, after more than 30 years of running, more or less regularly by myself, I just had my very first running session with a coach. We did a nice three-hour session around one of Lantau's steeper mountains and worked on my technique especially going up and downhill. It seems old dogs can still learn new tricks. At least I felt as I was going much faster down. It also shows how important it is to work with good coaches if you want to improve. Yes, you can always find another article or YouTube video online, but nothing beats somebody observing you and correcting you on the spot. I'm definitely planning to do a few more sessions, especially downhill. I think I really have uh, still ways to improve. I guess that was pretty much made for what's on and popping these days. So let's move on to the next uh, recurring segment of the shadowboxing episode of Life Sparring. Food for thought. As usual, I'll talk a bit about what I'm reading or just finished reading. In March, I finished two books. The first book was Yuval Noah Harari's 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. Harari rose to fame with Sapiens, a brief history of humankind a book that instantly turned into a Silicon Valley elite's favorite and the author into a celebrity. 21 Lessons for the 21st Century was published in 2018 and somehow and somewhat builds a trilogy with Sapiens, which was published in 2014 and summarized the human history from origin to till today. And uh, Homo Deus, published 2017, a book mapping out scenarios for the future of humankind. 21 Lessons for the 21st Century, as the name implies, covers the gap between the two other books, dealing with the present state of our species on this planet and the upcoming decades. I enjoyed Sapiens for making human evolution accessible and providing new angles on a few chapters of human history. Harari might be a good historian, but he's definitely a very good storyteller. I also liked Homo Deus for its thought-provoking that are so fantastic and scary and still entirely believable. With 21 Lessons, I struggled quite a bit. Not so much because I disagree with Harari's opinions. I guess it's more the opposite that's the problem. The points that Harari raises in the book seem so commonsensical that the book simply did not provide too much new food for thought for me. I too believe that the AI revolution will displace a lot of workers and that the universal basic income and new forms of taxation 
might be the only way to somewhat mitigate the consequences. I too believe that climate change is a massive challenge for humanity that requires international collaboration. And I also believe that neither religion or nationalism provide solutions for any of the main problems that we are facing. So after another 372 pages of uh, Yuval Noah Harari, I was a bit left with the feeling of uh, duh. So if you haven't done so already, read Sapiens and maybe also read Homo Deus. But I think you can save the money and time and skip 21 lessons. I read much more nonfiction than fiction these days. In a way that makes me appreciate good novels even more. And the second book I read in March was not just a good, but a really, really great novel. A Prayer for Owen Meany by John Irving is 617 pages of a coming-of-age story that felt like a much shorter book. I binge-read the book within 10 days, even commuting with my Kindle, which I rarely do these days. A Prayer for Owen Meany is not a new book. It was published in 1989, but it's a timeless classic. And it's also the all-time favorite book of my cousin Edith, to whom I promise to eventually read the book. I'd previously read John Irving's Hotel New Hampshire, and it's not difficult to see parallels between the two books. Both stories are set in New Hampshire at the U.S. East Coast. Both are coming-of-age books with philosophical takes on life. Both feature uncontrolled teenage sexuality, loss of loved ones and loss of innocence, stuffed animals, and unique characters so well-crafted that they clearly form in your head when you read the book. I believe that from a great novel you can learn as much for life as uh, from a non-fiction book, and Irving is great in building true gems into his work. Take for example this one. Your memory is a monster. You forget it doesn't. It simply files things away. It keeps things for you or hides things from you and summons them to your recall with a will of its own. You think you have a memory, but it has you. That's just as good as it gets in my book. Religion is a the main theme of prayer for Owen Meany, and so is politics. With the story of the book playing in the 1960s and early 70s and parallel in 1987, criticizing the American role in the Vietnam War, as well in the Iran-Contra affair of the late 80s, are the main political motives. But even beyond this now historical commentary, the book is scarily prophetic, just as the character of Olmini is in regards to his own life. That is where this country is headed. It is headed toward oversimplification. You want to see a president of the future? Turn on any television on any Sunday morning. Find one of those holy rollers. That's him. That's the new Mr. President, claimed Olmini. Keep in mind, the book was published in 1989. If that didn't want to make you read the book, you are lost cause. If you don't want to commit to a 600-page book right now, I have a few article recommendations from last month. First up is a rather lengthy article from Wired, the buzzy, chatty, out-of-control rise of Clubhouse. And as you can guess, it's a chronic of the story of Clubhouse. Quite interesting. The Clubhouse hype, I think, toned down a bit, but I'm still occasionally on the app catching quite interesting discussions. It's not that crazy anymore, but the story itself is, is pretty darn crazy. So I really would recommend to read Stephen Lewis' piece for Wired. 
another pretty cool article is in the outside magazine, outside online, titled, What's the minimum dose of training to stay fit? As you can imagine, Alex Hutchinson, the author, dives into scientific literature to find out what's the minimum dose to preserve your current fitness, especially if, for example, you find yourself in a situation where you can't work out as usual. The findings are quite interesting because apparently you can preserve your shape for quite a while at a very reduced volume as long as you don't cut down the intensity. As it seems, you can get away with two running sessions a week at reduced distance as long as you still go hard. And for strengths, you might even get away with a single session per week as long as you are below 60. Quite interesting, very interesting article, relatively short, and I think quite a lot to digest, especially for lazy people. I think that concludes uh, Food for Thought for this month. As usual, all articles and books mentioned are linked on the dedicated page for this show. It seems the solo episodes of the Last Brain podcast uh, are significantly shorter than the interview shows, but I guess that's good. But before I let you off the hook for this time, Maybe let's take a look a little bit what you can expect from the Life Sparing Podcast over the next few episodes. One show that I'm actually planning to record tonight has a focus on productivity and a little bit business angle on things. I booked a real expert for this show. I hope you will enjoy this one. After being a bit heavy on health and sport topics, I think a business and personal productivity topic would be really, really cool. I'm also still chasing an interview guest from the music industry, kind of. Very special person, but it's not always easy to get those special guests, especially as the podcast is still quite at the beginning. And I think I'm happy with the development of the audience, but the numbers are, of course, um, not exactly Joe Rogan's. So let's see if I get this one in the books. Personally, I think with COVID, hopefully, continuing to recede. I would love to do some boxing training again. I haven't done Muay Thai in a very long time. My main sport activities are personal training in the gym and running, but I'm missing hitting pads and doing a little bit of sparring. So I hope that maybe after my vaccination, this is an option again. Other than that, let's see what the spring in Hong Kong brings. And I guess we hear each other or you hear me if you choose to pretty soon with the next episode. This was Live Sparring, Round 7, Shadowboxing, March, April 21, with me, your host Fabian Gruber. Live Sparring is produced by Thomas Latter. Intro and outro beat are by McKissy Producer. More info about Live Sparring and this episodes, including all links, gadgets, resources, books, articles mentioned in the show, you can find at livesparring.com slash podcast live sparring with a hyphen if you enjoyed the show please subscribe and leave a like wherever you are getting your podcast from if you want to complain about my singing if you have some suggestions ideas maybe a guest that you would like to connect to our show just send us a voice message or normal message you can do that via our website i hope you join us again for the next one of live sparring until then stay healthy Keep your hands up and protect yourself at all times.